have you been looking for your keys to success? You have found the best place to start. We will hear from professionals on different keys to success in building huge careers in and outside the mortgage industry. These conversations that each person will share their experience will allow you to hear nuggets on finding your keys to success. I'm your host, Sue Meitner, so let's get started and grab your keys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grab Your Keys. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a wonderful guest on today, Rob Chrisman. He and I have known each other and seen each other at many conferences over the last few decades. He has fantastic knowledge that he imparts on all of us every day in his Rob Chrisman commentary. And the first question, actually, Rob, well, thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to ask you the questions I have because I have some good ones. So um, thanks for joining us today, Rob. You're in Chicago, right? At the moment. At the moment. And I know you're on your way to Philadelphia for the um, Mortgage Bankers Conference. And we um, will be super excited to see you there. Uh, I have a question on how did you start to develop the Chrisman blog? Well, uh, from from time on a trading desk and and reading about you know telling accounts about what's going on with the economy, what's going on with the market that day, why interest rates are up or down or all around, and talking to clients about their positions, and then the the role of anybody who's in secondary marketing or capital markets, I would argue, is to help educate your sales staff, rather that uh, you know whether it's loan officers or account executives. And so I began sending out a little paragraph or two about A, what the market was doing, but also B, what different investors were doing. And there was a lot going on back in 2005, 2007, 2009. So the, the, the desire for people to read factual information about what the market was doing and what investors were doing and which ones were going out of business and so forth without a lot of sensationalist fluff. Uh, there was a lot of demand for that. And I found, I found over the years that my opinion isn't any more valid or important than your opinion. And I found that giving people the facts and letting them make up their own minds and own decisions and own opinions uh, was was very good for me. Anytime, anytime somebody trying to cram their opinion down my throat, right. uh, you know, just didn't didn't work. But rather, give me the facts. Tell me what's going on with interest rates or with certain investors. Just give me the information, and I'll and I'll act on it as I see fit. So that's been, you know, what I've been doing for a long time. Well, I love the the informational pieces that you put out. And the data is so important for all of us to know day in and day out in the mortgage business and not in the mortgage business because it affects everyone. And I think that when you work on a um, consistently having data and up-to-date data, you're able to speak knowledgeably and uh, people believe that you are competent and confident. And you can't, you can't do that if you're not, if, if you don't have the knowledge. You, you've yeah. been super successful in the mortgage industry. What do you think your keys to success are with that? 
in terms of in terms of grab your keys and in, in, uh, in terms of whatever keys you want <laughs> well i would I, I would be i would be remiss if i didn't at least for the for the folks who were watching or listening uh didn't didn't throw out you know if somebody wants to subscribe to the free commentary it's on well, www i was, was going to do that Christman. later on but that's good but oh, yes, okay. how yeah. can people subscribe to rob chrisman yeah just www.robchrisman.com um takes about 60 seconds to sign up i i think that uh the once once again the the information that you give people i i found that if you give them the facts, they'll come back and read more and read more and they'll tell their friends and so forth. And yeah, I put, I put some interesting statistics in the opening paragraph, the things that interest me. Uh, and then we throw in some humor at the end. Uh, I have different people helping me with certain parts of the commentary, like my son, Robbie, mm-hmm. uh, he, he writes the capital market section now, for example. So he's, he's involved and so I think that if you give people kind of what they want, uh, it's, it's a good thing rather than me telling them this is what you should be paying attention to. The, the mere fact that I have a certain amount of room in my daily commentary to put information in leads people to understand that I think what I'm putting in is important. And it, I guess that would be one of my strengths over my experience in the mortgage industry. I, I know what's important and what matters to originators and what matters to CEOs. And I mean, the, the commentary goes out to a lot of people. It goes out to regulators. It goes out to unemployed people. It goes out to all kinds of different folks in between. And so the, and I realized that people's time is valuable in terms of reading something. And so I think, okay, what's important to me what's what's going on out there maybe that'll be important to my to my readers and so far so good i i think that that's definitely one of the keys is to is to impart the knowledge on everyone and to give the facts and i i have told all of the originators that work with me that they should definitely subscribe to it i know as a new ceo a while ago i when i was first starting centennial lending group i would read it and I would get lots of information. I'd say, oh, wait, maybe we should have this investor. <laughs> maybe we should contact them. So I definitely think that's super important. What do you think two other keys of success might be um, for anyone uh, growing a business or or in the mortgage industry? The second thing, the I w- second thing I would say is consistency. Uh, so I send this out six days a week. When I'm on the West Coast, that's six days a week that I'm getting up at 4 a.m. in order to send this out. And I think people appreciate that because things can happen overnight that may impact mortgage rates. So I want to get a little jump on the day. So I'm up. I have I have a very good work ethic. Some people would say I'm crazy. But being consistent, I think, in any job is important. And some just like if I'm going to if I'm going to call you and leave a message. And I don't know if I'm going to get a return phone call from you within an hour or two or within one or two weeks or never. I think that that influences my desire to do business with you. Whereas if you make a point of, you know, cleaning out your email inbox every day 
by the end of the day or, or having you or your staff return phone calls. I think that goes a long way with how people view you and how people view your company. So consistency is very important. And then a third, a third thing is, you know, I'm, I'm good at being self-deprecating. I don't take myself very seriously. Uh, you know, it's life, life short. Yeah. And people who are uh, conceited or think that they're more important than everybody else in terms of their opinion or think that they know more than everybody else, I will be the first to admit that I don't know hardly anything about how to originate a loan. I've never originated a loan. I respect people who do. I can obviously talk to those people right. and give them information. But, uh, you know, I think we've all been around people who have a very high opinion of themselves. And I've never found that that's not my strong suit because if you have too high an opinion of yourself, typically there's a, there's people out there who like to take you down a notch or two. Yeah. And I, and I never wanted to be that target. So. Right. Um, I want to go back to the work ethic, consistency and work ethic. What do you think contributes to someone having a work ethic or not having a work ethic? Like, how did you, how, how do you have the work ethic that you have? I mean, I have a pretty solid work ethic and I'm, um, uh, I'd like to hear your opinion on that. Well, I've never <laughs> been asked that. I will, I'll throw my son into the mix here a little bit. So Robbie is 31. He does, he does a daily podcast, but every day he's up like at 4.30 or 5 a.m. on the West Coast. I didn't tell him to do that. He, I said, Robbie, if you want to be good at, good at this, make some money, but also have an impact on people. You know, I mean, my commentary goes out early in the morning in order for you to send out your podcast, you should, you're going to have to get up early. Now, granted, he's going to go back to bed. Uh, I go back to bed sometimes too, but he does that. And I think, I think that was through example. I mean, my parents, um, you know, not, not to get too far into my, my heritage here, but That's you know, good. my mom, my mom <clears throat> went to Stanford and then graduated and went to work for Del Monte canned can goods as a secretary. Then when I came along, she was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was in the Navy 20 years. He grew up during the Depression. He had two or three jobs in addition to going to high school. I went into the Navy, became a chief petty officer, then went to work for a boys' detention camp, and then went to work for a cannery uh, as a foreman and retired from there. And he was up every day early. And, I, and my mom even they say, oh yeah, housewife, you know, what do they make sandwiches? Oh, my mom, my mom worked. I mean, it's, it's tough. Uh, You know, being, being a housewife is extremely undervalued, unfortunately. So I saw that and I grew up I work because that's a hard job. It is a hard job. (laughs) Uh, So I, you know, I had a paper route. I worked in the cannery. I picked prunes in the Santa Clara Valley back when there were prune orchards. I did those things because I guess my, you know, my parents and my grandparents were like that. Right. So what about you? 
So I do think that at times it's inherited and that you live by example. Uh, I think that it's also something that is a learned be learned behavior. My mom was a stay at home mom, but worked, you know, made sure that we had dinner on the table every night, made sure that she got up, got showered, got dressed, got the kids. She still gets up, she gets showered, get dressed. And if grandchildren or anyone needs to get anywhere for us, she gets them to everywhere they need to go. If we can't go to a football game or a basketball game for some reason because we're working, she makes sure she's there. She takes her job very seriously. My dad, an attorney, works very hard. So I have just learned that if I wanted to be successful and maybe I wasn't the smartest, maybe I wasn't the prettiest, maybe I wasn't the most popular, but I, I had control of working hard. And if I had the knowledge and I had the consistency also, then I was, then I would be top of my game. And I believe I'm not the most lovable sometimes, even though I'd like to think I'm the most lovable, you know, but I know that I'm competent and, and, and no one can outwork me. And even though I think sometimes that's to a detriment because, you know, sometimes my kids have been like, mom, stop working, you know, but um, there's also that competitive juice in there. And I don't think that I really got the competitive juices in me until I was in my twenties until after college. Like I just wasn't, I was okay with getting B's and C's. I was okay with having two jobs during college. I really love to work. And I think when you find the love of what you're doing, then of helping people and what I love helping people. So I think that I've done it in many different ways in my career. So I think I love working hard and love what I do. Uh, and I'm hoping sooner or later that my children get the your good work ethic that I have. <laughs> so I think that just comes with age. Uh, so because um, at least your son's 31 and he obviously has it. Yeah, he <clears throat> but he also grew up. He's a very competitive kid. He, mm -hmm. he uh, had offers from college for baseball, uh, but instead went the academic route. Uh, but joined the University of Texas bicycle team, you know, college bicycle team. Uh, so he was a competitive kid and ran, mm -hmm. went off to race bikes in Switzerland after he wow. graduated. So he he knows what it takes to to do better than average. Um, but it's you know it's it takes it takes practice. It yeah, does it takes, take practice. It takes practice. So the three keys to success in. Uh, Rob's mind are fact finding, consistency with hard work, and uh, not to take yourself so seriously. And I think that's another thing that I admire with you is that you can laugh, you can have a drink, you can, you know, be there with everyone. And at the same time, you have that knowledge and that consistency. And I also am very self deprecating at times. I enjoy to laugh and um, have fun. So I do agree with that. Who who do you admire? Uh, you mean like living or dead or historical Everything. or somebody I know? Anybody? Whatever you want. Well, well, well. When I decided to do these questions, I wanted to like inside the actor studio with James Lipton type of feel. So that was a good show. That was a good show. He a did good a good job. job. He did he do did a good, good job. job. Yeah, the, the people, I, I won't narrow it down. Um, the, the people that I admire at this point in my life are 
the people who can physically do what they want to do. For example, Steph Curry. Yeah. Call him the greatest basketball player ever or not. You have to put him in the top 10. Right. And he's only 6'2 or 6'3. And yet he has that work ethic to be able to think, okay, I need, I need to go from point A to point B and I have the ability, but it takes something more. It takes that mental capacity. It takes that drive to do that from, to go from point A to point B. If you are a marathon runner, you know, you can't just go out and run a marathon. You have to, you have to get, you might have the physical ability, but it's a mental game. And so I think that, when you watch a basketball game or football game or baseball or whatever, you don't see what goes on behind the scenes there. But I admire those men and women athletes who, who not only have the physical ability, but have the drive and the passion in order to do that. I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I was never, you know, I was good basketball player. I still play basketball. I bike ride. I do I'm active, but I was never, all that competitive after I left high school. Right. Um, I just didn't, I just didn't have that drive. Probably, probably didn't have the physical attributes either, but that aside, but, but you, you watch these athletes and those are people that I admire that I think, dang, you know, look what they're doing. And I'm, I'm sitting here in my chair watching, you know, LeBron James add another year onto his, you know, NBA total. Right. And that's, that's an amazing accomplishment. And those athletes are really, and if you meet them, if you happen to be like in a hotel lobby watching these pro basketball players walk by uh, or meet people in person, you think, holy smokes. You know, yes, they're endowed with certain physical attributes, but there's something more. Right. There, there's definitely something more, especially with that mental game. How do you think you can translate that mental game in the marketplace that we are in today? Well, the, the environment that we're in now, one with higher rates, lower volumes, lower margins, it's a very, very tough environment. And the, the companies that I see out there who are doing okay, and the loan officers that I see out there that are doing okay, are the companies and the individuals who realize that this isn't some kind of glam profession, that it takes consistency and drive and dedication and knowledge to put all those things together, and also the ability to think, all right, we're in a tough situation, yeah, at some point things will come back, but we can't just sit there and, and wait for things to quote come back. We have to be able to adapt to the current environment. We have to be able to hit a curveball. Right. We have to be able to climb that hill on our marathon kind of thing. And so the what I'm seeing out there among companies and individuals is a very pragmatic approach to where we are now and not hoping interest rates are going to come down or hoping inventory is going to pick up in the real estate world, but just saying, here's the environment. We need to figure it out. 
Right. Hope is not a strategy. Right. So um, if you had to change your career, what career would you be? A basketball player? (laughs) You know, sometimes park ranger sounds pretty darn good. Yeah, park ranger. (laughs) Get to walk around outside, check everything out, enjoy the fresh air. Yeah, it's not, there's not a lot of stress. Yes. Uh, you're surrounded by some really neat things. And then generally speaking, generally speaking, <clears throat> you're probably surrounded by people who are there because they want to be there and they're having a good time and they're enjoying the outdoors or whatever. Um, I'd, I'd probably go down that path. So if you had, were a fortune teller and had that glass ball, what do you foresee in the future for Rob Christman and the mortgage industry? Well, people need home loans, right? right. Either, either either to buy houses or to refinance some of their twenty-five or thirty percent credit card debt. Right. So people people need loans, and there is equity out there. And I think as an industry, we'll continue to, to do okay, but not to the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty-one standards of volume and margin and all that, but back more towards historical averages. So that's what I would say for my crystal ball in terms of the industry. In terms of me, you know, I don't even know what I'm going to have for lunch uh, tomorrow, as I like to say. (laughs) Uh, But I'm going to keep doing what I do and hope that people keep uh, keep reading and and listening and so forth. And so, uh, you know, when I I tell people when I get tired of doing it, I'll stop doing it. But until then, I'll I'll just keep plugging along. Right. Well, you know, Billy Joel said that he would do um, his residency at Madison Square Garden for as long as the seats were sold out. And now he's going on a decade of the seats being sold out. So um, you might have to just do it forever. (laughs) Billy Joel has a good gig. I guess he helicopters in from his Long Island home once a month. Lands on the roof or something. Comes down. Does the show three out two or three hours helicopter back? back. So um, that's that that came to mind when you said that. And I do agree that um, we are bright and shiny. I think I said on the Mortgage Collaboratives podcast when I was on there with you. I do think that we are here for the consumer to help them with their consumer debt to restructure their the equity in their homes. And, you know, we were that um, bright and shiny light during COVID, and we can do that again in the economy that we're in right now in helping people with their consumer debt. People, uh, I just did a a statistic on uh, American Dream that I was on yesterday that 38% of people own their houses free and clear, yet a lot of them have credit card debt. So if you own your house free and clear and you're paying 22% on credit cards and the average is $100,000, then you don't own you don't own anything free and clear. <laughs> so right. in all reality, and you're not getting a write-off on that 20 per, on that credit card either. So um, so thank you for being on uh, Grab Your Keys. I appreciate all you do for the mortgage industry. I always look forward to seeing you and talking to you at the different conferences that we're at. And um, I appreciate you. Thank you. And and vice versa. Thank you. So everyone, if you like this podcast and you like what you heard, please share it with friends. We look forward to seeing you next time on Grab Your Keys.